Would you turn with me to the book of Isaiah this evening? Isaiah, the first chapter. I've been wanting to preach this for months. <laughs> and now here we get to Isaiah chapter 1. In Isaiah, the first chapter, familiar verses to some are verses 18 and 19. And let's look at them. Isaiah 1, 18 and 19. And let's pray before we read. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. So good to us. And we give you all the glory for all that is happening and is about to happen. We know we could do none of this in our own strength. But if we cooperate with you, you're able to do great and mighty things. And you told us that you'd do greater things than these that we'd seen. And we believe that. And we're asking you for everybody that is here, for eyes that see and ears that hear, and revelation and understanding of truth that makes free. Show us what we've not yet seen. Remind us of anything we've seen but have let slip and hadn't put into practice. And bring us up to another level in you. Bring us up to a greater place of blessing that we may be a more of a blessing and a greater blessing to many, many more. In Jesus' name, thank you for utterance and revelation and anointing tonight. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 1, 18. The Lord says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Is that part of the gospel? Part of the good news? How many of this applies to us today? And it's not by the blood of, of goats and, and bulls, but by the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb, though your sins be as scarlet. They shall be white as snow. Everybody accepts that and says, yeah, that's, man, that's for us. What about the next verse? Huh? Very next verse. If, now you got your sins washed away. Are you ready for something else? Got your sins washed away. And since you got your sins washed away now, if, now go ahead, if you haven't done it already, and take something and put a big circle around that if there. Because that means that everything he's about to tell you is conditional. Right? Doesn't happen automatically. It is conditional. Based upon the conditions he's about to, to reveal. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But... If you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. People don't shout as much on that. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. But both are completely true, aren't they? If you refuse and you rebel, you'll be consumed. You'll be destroyed. You won't eat the good of the land. You'll lose what you have. Does it cost to be rebellious? 
does it cost to disobey? Oh, but let's back up. If you be willing and obedient, you'll drive wore out cars. Huh? You'll have the cheapest cars of the land. Someone says, oh, now, Brother Keith, you, you're talking about cars. Well, what, what is the good of the land? He didn't say the good of heaven. The good of what? Good of what the land, what the earth produces. I tell you, the devil has really put a number over on the church. For centuries. Get up and sing songs. As Brother Hagin always said, embalmed with unbelief. <laughs> Here I wander like a beggar in the heat and cold. Or just build me a little log cabin in the corner of glory land. And talk about, I don't want any of this old world's goods. Numerous songs written on the premise of, oh, I don't, I don't care for this earthly treasure. I don't care for any worldly goods. Is that in the Bible? Or did he say, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good and you'll wear the good and drive the good and live in the good, enjoy the good stuff of the earth. Did he say it? Is it here? That's what we're going to camp on. Amen. Until we really, really, really believe it. Say it out loud. If you're willing, if you're willing and, obedient, and obedient, you shall, you shall eat, eat, enjoy, enjoy use, use, have, have the, good the good of the land. Of the land. Now, uh, this word good is a little bit I don't, different from how we use the word good. If you look it up, it literally means the fat, which we would say the best. Top. Because, you know, we're used to old-fashioned Sears and Roebuck catalogs that said good, better, and best. So when you say good, well, I don't know about that. No, no. This is, when he says the good of the land, he's talking about skip the good, skip the better. Best. The best. Well, after all, think about it. God made the earth and the fullness thereof. He made all the silver. He made all the gold. He, he gave man the understanding and wisdom to develop nice things and spin nice fabrics and make nice clothes and build nice cars and build nice houses. Did the Lord give all of that for the devil and his crowd? Are these nice things just for ungodly people? People who reject the Lord? Or did he intend... He made it. He made the earth. He made all this stuff. He gave wisdom to people to develop all this stuff. Did he intend that his people enjoy it? Did he? And is it his will that we enjoy it? How do we qualify? If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. I want us to say it out loud three times and apply it to yourself. If I say it out loud, if I'm willing... And obedient, I'll eat 
the good of the land. Now let's say it like this because this is, this is King James language and I just got through explaining the definitions. So we'll say, if I'm willing and obedient, I will enjoy the best of the land. So say it out loud. Let's say it together. If I'm willing and obedient, I will enjoy the best. Just say it like that. The best. Say it again. If I'm willing and obedient, I will enjoy the best. One more time. If I am willing and obedient, I will enjoy the best. Hallelujah. Is it Bible? Now the best of what? Not the best of, of heaven. We'll enjoy that when we get there. There'll be plenty of time for that. We're not there yet. But the best of the land, the best of the earth, the best of what's around. We're going to call these services and teachings, unless the Lord says something different, qualifying for God's best. Qualifying for God's best. Because it's obvious that not everybody enjoys the best. Right? Many, many people in this country, many Christians, living below so-called poverty level. Many people in Arkansas and Missouri, living below so-called poverty level. And I know that if you're saved and, and, and your family's doing good and you love each other, uh, that you still have a good life. If you don't have a lot of stuff, I know that. And, and, and money can't buy the most important stuff. But the thing is, why can't you have both? Why can't you have it all? Is it God's will for you to have it all? Yeah. And can you just come up as you walk with the Lord and as you go further? Can you year to year just come up and come up some more? I'm talking about financially and materially. And come up. And be a bigger blessing. How many of you would like the ability. And some of you may have that ability. But how many like the ability. To, to sit here tonight. And hear about the presentation. All it takes is 250000 to To pay this equipment. And you sit there at the prayer time. And go now Lord. What do you want me to do? You want me to pay half of that? Or you want me to just buy it all? What do you want me to do? And you could write that check for 250000 And hardly miss it. Would you like that? Huh? Would it be God's will for you to be in position to do that? Well, you won't get there by wishing. you got to qualify, right? Qualify to have and operate in God's best, the best of the land. Handling the best of stuff in the earth. And what's the two big qualifiers? Willingness. And obedient. Now, don't just look at that and go, well, I already am. <laughs> well, are you enjoying the best of the best? Uh, well, I don't. well, then you must not be. Got quiet when I said that. <laughs> the Bible is true. Whether it's me, whether it's you, if we don't see the results the Bible talks about, then we're not filling the conditions the Bible talks about. Sometimes because of ignorance or sometimes because of disobedience. But whatever the case, if we're not seeing the fullness of what God told us was ours, then it's not His fault. 
He's not holding out or withholding from us. It's because we're not fully meeting the conditions. I know years ago, uh, Phyllis and I hadn't been in the ministry very long. And we were just so broke. I mean, it hurt. And, you know, have you ever wanted to do something that just didn't cost hardly any money? I mean, five, ten dollars. And you just didn't have it. Sitting offering after offering and not have a thing to put in and, and just hurting. And I mean, we went that way year after year after year and then got behind. You know, when you just only got half a nostril above water to start with. And then you get behind. Well, it was taking everything you, you could do to just maintain. How are you going to maintain plus catch up? Well, you people can get in a bad way. And, and that's where we were. And I remember going into our little bedroom and falling across the, the bed one day. Nobody else was in there. And I and just wept before the Lord. And I said, Lord, this is not right. I know this is not your will. I know enough about the word to know that. I mean, I had been to Bible school. I, I had been in the ministry for a few years. I said, Lord, I know it's not your fault. Have mercy on me. Help me. Teach me. Show me where I'm missing it. What I don't know, teach me about. What, what I'm not doing... Reveal it to me. Have mercy on me. And the Bible said, when you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. And he, he heard my prayer. And it seemed like for five years, every day, he was teaching me something else about prosperity. And we began to come out. Didn't happen overnight. Didn't happen in a month or two. But we began to come up. Amen. And came up and up and up and up and up. And I believe we're going to come on way up from where we are now. But the reason I said that is because so much of what he, he began to show me is things I already knew, but wasn't doing. Or wasn't, re, wasn't really committed to doing as a lifestyle. Do it a little bit here and there, kind of play with it, take a step forward and a step back. Well, that means you just stay where you are. Do it for a little while and then don't do it for a little while and that kind of thing. Like tithing. Sort of, we sort of tithed. Most of the time. Kinda. <laughs> but we quit that. And we straightened that out and, and we, I mean, thing after thing that the Lord dealt with us to do, things I, I already knew, but I wasn't obedient. Did you get that right there? If you be what? Willing and obedient. So did you, you understand? I, I'm not calling anybody's name. Not looking at anybody about this. It's just a fact. If it's me, you, whoever it is, if we're not enjoying the best, what do we know? We haven't been qualifying. We either are missing it in the area of willingness or and or obedience. Dr. Kenneth Hagin, whom we had the privilege of serving for uh, 20-something years, in the, in the early days of his ministry, when he went into the field ministry, traveling, left the last church he pastored and went out into traveling, after about a year and a half, he said, man, he was just going down financially in a hurry. I mean, when he was pastoring, they took care of some things for him, even provided a parsonage and, and bought clothes for him and brought him food and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, they were doing the best they had done. But when he obeyed God, went out on the field, then he's having to pay for a lot of things he wasn't having to pay for. And I mean, it got to the place where he had to sell everything he could sell and all, all, he sell his car and just pay the interest on some notes that he had. And he finally got before the Lord fasted a couple of days and said, Lord, you know, 
you've got to help me out here. And he's quoting the scripture to him. He said, you said if I'm willing and obedient, I'd eat the good of the land. And he said, I am not eating the good of the land. And he said, uh, he kept quoting to the Lord this uh, passage. If you, Lord, you said if I'm willing and obedient. And I obeyed you. I left the church. I left all the comfort I had. And I'm out on the field. And he said, but I'm not eating the best. I, I'm, I don't even have a decent car to drive. My wife doesn't have decent clothes. My children are not adequately clothed or fed. And I'm going in the hole every month. And he just pled his case with the Lord. And he said, after some length of time, the Lord began to talk to him. And he said, well, the problem is, he said, you don't qualify. He said, don't qualify. He said, Lord, I left my last church. I did what you told me to do. I've been out on the road. He said, what's that first part say? You'll be willing. He said, you hadn't been willing. You did it. But you haven't been willing. He said, man, it didn't take him. Just a few seconds, he reached down on the inside of him, and he made a change in his heart. He said, well, I'm willing now. (laughs) He said, Lord, you know I'm willing. The devil knows I'm willing now. Amen. And I just wanted to share that with you because what did he realize? What did the Lord tell him? You don't qualify. You're quoting that verse to me, but you haven't been willing. Everybody say willing and obedient. Now, we, we, that, that's our part. Do you understand? Causing us to eat the good of the land, that's God's part. He is faithful to do his part if, if, if we do our part. But people haven't taken this part seriously enough. What's our part? Be willing and obedient. Don't run past that. Don't go, well, yeah, 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 I am. No, that's how you miss it. Are you willing? Are you obedient? How will I know I am? Well, one reason, one indication, you'll start seeing the best come to you. Amen. The best of the best, well, you'll start enjoying. Might not happen overnight, but you, you'll come right into it and begin to come up and up and up. Say it one more time. When I'm willing, when I'm obedient, I will enjoy the best of the land. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we're going to talk about this week, unless the Lord says something else, qualifying for God's best. Now turn with me, if you would, to the book of uh, Romans, the first chapter. And let's begin talking about this first point, which we call willing. We got to be willing and we got to be obedient. And before we get to talking about obedient, let's just talk about them one at a time. Let's talk about being willing. Willing. And go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Is it God's will for us to eat the good of the land? Think about the whole verse again. Let me ask you this question. Is it God's will for us to be willing and obedient? then is it just as much God's will for us to eat the good of the land? Same verse, right? Now listen with your heart tonight, friend, and listen with your heart all week. Some things that sound very, very simple, if you ignore them, you could really miss something. Because uh, the devil is very subtle. And people have a lot more unscriptural and unbelieving tradition in them than they think. 
and it holds them back. I'm not calling any names. Just look straight ahead. Just, let's go, amen, Brother Keith. Yeah. People have that. And we must not just run it. You know, I have found this to be true. So many times, people, they got the answer right in front of them, but they don't see it. And it's like they're going, Lord, show me. Lord, show me how to come out. Please, show me. God, help me. Oh, God, help me. And so he shows them. And they go, Lord, would you help me, Jesus? Please. Show me the answer. Lord, if I could, if you'd just show me, because I really want to see. Oh, God, if you'd just help me to see it. Oh, please, Jesus. Get me out of this mess. I'm, please, Jesus. You know, you can do that for years. Years. You can do that. Until, if by the grace of God, one day you're able to go, Oh, this? Oh, that's been there for 15 years. Right. So many times the Lord has shown us a long time ago, but we didn't respect what He said to us. We didn't esteem it. We didn't think it was important enough. Or we didn't think it was connected with our problem. I know uh, I was uh, had talked to the Lord for, I guess it was about eight months off and on, about this challenge I was having in a certain area of my finances. This is years ago. And, and, I, and, and I talked to the Lord about it. And talked to the Lord about it. And I, at that time I was teaching over at Ramah and doing a number of things. I mean, I had, uh, I had six courses I was teaching. I, I taught prayer school and I taught healing school. I did music on Wednesday nights. And so I'm doing, there's some, some weeks I spoke 25, 30 times a week. That's a lot. Sometimes too much. And some, sometimes when I was praying, something would come up in me about going out on the road more. <laughs> Traveling more. And when it would come up, I would quickly change the channel. Anybody know what I mean by that? I'm just like, where did that come from? And of course, the devil don't want you to serve God and obey him. So he's quick to jump on your shoulder and go, we don't know where that came from. We don't know what, what is that? And we don't know what that is. And I would ignore it. And month by month, I'm praying about some other things, including some financial stuff, and not getting answers and not seeing it. And then once in a while, this had come up about us going out on the road more. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? The devil said, we don't know where that came from. That's crazy. <laughs> Finally, one day, I, it's distinct to me. I'm, I'm in the house by myself late one afternoon. And I'm sitting in the big easy chair, reading some and thinking. And this came up in my spirit. You know, when you get quiet sometimes, then you see things better. Came up in my spirit real clear about us going on the road more. And I just laid the book down and I said, Lord, is that you? He said, you know it is. I said, I don't mean I heard an audible voice now, but just distinctly inside me, I'm quiet before the Lord. I said, Okay, all right, all right. You want us to go travel more? Yes, sir. He said, okay, now I'm going to talk to you about this other thing. And he started talking to me right there in that chair. I don't mean I heard a voice, but showed me exactly what to do and what would fix. See, I didn't know the two were even connected or related. But in his mind, they were intertwined. 
And what folk don't realize is when you ignore correction on one thing, you just pushed away direction on many other things. If you want his full direction, you must also be willing, willing, willing to receive correction, right? Adjustments, stopping things, starting things. Everybody say willing. 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 And it's not just enough that you like like Brother Hagin learned. He did. He'd obeyed. He left his last church. He went out there on the road like the Lord told him to. But he don't like it. And you know, little ones have to learn that. Teenagers have to learn that. Well, okay, I'll do it. Stomp away and shut the door. That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. Well, how can I be willing? You can will to be willing. Can't you? Even though your head says, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. Your soul says, mm-mm, nobody, no way. Not for me. That's not for me. I, I've learned. Like the master said, I delight to do thy will, O God. It's not based on feelings. I got a revelation. I mean, like two years into the ministry. I was sitting at a red light, waiting for it to change. And I got this revelation. Let me tell you what it was. God is smarter than me. <laughs> now you might think, <laughs> you mean you didn't know that before? Well, yeah, yeah, if you'd have asked me, sure. But it, it dawned on me to a further degree. And I realized, to a further, not, I'm sure I can realize it much further, but to a degree I realized He made me. He knows everything about me. He knows what I'm good at and what I'm not. He knows what I like better than I know what I like. He knows where I fit better than I know. He's smarter than me. He knows more than me. So whatever he says about what I should do is right. I should trust him. I should trust his knowledge and his judgment. And so with that greater understanding of that, I've learned. That when I'm looking at something, I'm thinking about things. Well, no, no, that's not me. That's not my call. Pastoring? No, no. That's not, no, Brother Keith's not a pastor. If you'd have told me five years ago I was a pastor, I'd have thought, no, no, no. I thank God for pastors, but, but no, I'm not, that's not what I am. No. <laughs> Had no desire to pastor, but just happy as could be on the road. But if the Lord says, you're a pastor, then you go, right. <laughs> now that I hear you say it, yes, sir. That's me. Pastor Keith. <laughs> I've learned. You know, you can look at things and go, now that's what I want to do. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I want. That's where I want to go. That's what I want to do. And the Lord says, that's not what I want you to do. And you go, right. <laughs> now that you say it, I don't even like it. And your flesh goes, yeah, we like it very You say, shut up. No. He don't like it. We don't like it. How I many know that's, that's being smart? Realizing he's smarter than I am. If he says this is for me. You know, when the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I, go to Branson. We thought, Branson? I'm sure it's a nice place, but I mean, we're set up here. We're set up here. We're happy. He said, no, Branson is a place you ought to be. So we loaded up a truck. <laughs> and uh, 
I am so glad, I am so glad, sitting there today on my porch, looking out over the beautiful foliage and the perfect weather, and I'm thinking, I like Branson. I like it here. This is wonderful. And then I got to meet all of you guys. And y'all are wonderful. We got a family. Amen. And God keeps doing all these wonderful things and wonderful things. What if I'd have been dumb and unwilling? And we said, now nah, we got a good little nest here. We're all just fine. Everything's fine. And, and no, no, I don't think I want to go to Branson. That would have been dumb. You'd have never, we'd have never known what kind of blessings we missed. Hmm? Now that's not just true concerning us. As ministers, that's true concerning every child of God. We're experiencing some of the best. of the, It's one of the best facilities in Branson. Isn't it? We're experiencing. The Lord gave us one of the best houses in Branson. I mean, some of the best stuff. I mean, it's just, and it just keeps coming. What? That's evidence, isn't it? Evidence that we got willing and that we obeyed. And this is not just for a couple of people. This is not just for preachers. This is for everybody that will get willing and obey. You got to be willing to hear anything. Go to China. Me? Or stay here forever. Well, I want to go. You have to stay. You got to be willing to hear any, whatever he says, you got to be willing to go anywhere. Do anything. Leave anything. Huh? Got to be willing to. Brother Hagen used to tell the story about this fella. Came to the church and got saved. And, uh, began to get serious about God. And, and he had this thing come up about being a missionary to China. And he didn't want to be a missionary to China. He didn't want to leave home. And so he backslid for it was over with. Because every time he get close to God, this thing had come up about China. So man, he just backslid. And just got away from God. Didn't go to church. Because if he didn't pray and stayed away from God, he didn't think much about it. But his life got so messed up away from God. And he got in such trouble. Until he finally got back to the altar. And prayed through it. Got back to God. And here's this China deal. How many of the Lord does not change? You can do all kind of stuff. But he changes not. And uh, it bothered him so bad, he backslid again. He did this about four or five times, I guess, over a period of years. Just just messed up for years. And it's like in and out, in and out. Finally, in desperation, with a messed up life and wasted years, he fell across the altar and said, Okay, all right, God, all right. You want me to go to China? I'll go to China. He said, The Lord said, I never wanted you to go to China. I wanted you to be willing to go to China. Does it matter to God? Oh, does it matter? I'm telling you, unwillingness in your heart will absolutely dull you from hearing from God. It'll choke off the blessings of your life and it will disqualify you from enjoying the best in this life. That would answer a lot of questions, wouldn't it? As to why a lot of folk have not and are not enjoying the best. But for us, for me and my house, and for you and your house, and for us in this church, we are going to serve the Lord, and we're going to be willing, and we're going to obey, 
And as surely as God's on the throne and His Word cannot fail, we will have to then enjoy the best of the land. Now in Romans 1, have you found your place there? Romans 1. In, in dealing with me about this, the Lord took me a little different direction than I would have thought talking about willingness. Something that I, I usually just wouldn't have even looked at so much and just talked about being willing to obey God in what He tells you to do. But He dealt with me no back. He said, back up and look at this. And I don't mean I heard a voice, but I just knew in my spirit that so many people have been unwilling to receive His Word on this subject. And so they're disqualified by reason of refusing the gospel. They're disqualified by refusing the message that God wants you to have the best. Does the gospel include prosperity? Now, i got a lot of amens and yeses here in the crowd, but do you understand? Millions of Christians do not believe that. They don't believe what you just said yes to. In fact, you know, we've taught healing for decades now and prosperity. I got a revelation about that. I, I had taught in healing school. I taught healing in the morning in the school. I taught healing two or three times a day in the afternoon. I, and then after the period I talked to you about, I'd go out and hold healing meetings in other states and places. It was healing in the morning, healing in the afternoon, healing when the sun went down. And I began to realize that year after year after year, I had perfect health. I mean perfect health. If anything did try to come on me, I mean it'd go usually before the day was over. Just go year after year after year with no problems. And I begin to realize my faith is being fed constantly in the area of healing. And I have faith for healing. Faith comes by hearing. And faith for healing comes by hearing the word, not on water baptism, not on the second coming. But on what? On healing. Healing. I mean, it's like a light bulb went off over my head when I realized that. Buddy, you need to preach more on prosperity. Because <laughs> I was not enjoying prosperity. And I wasn't hearing it. And you do understand that many, 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 many churches consider it absolute taboo to speak on the subject of financial prosperity. And some of them make fun of us for talking about it. They don't know what we say. They, they hadn't heard it, most of them, but they make fun of us. I know somebody thought they were calling us a derogatory name a while back, and they said, yeah, it's that rich church over there. <laughs> and I thought, say it again. <laughs> say it again, please. Yeah, that's us. The rich church. Do you like that as well as I do? Man, if they thought they were insulting me, they really missed it because I like that. Yeah, that's us. Faith life, church, the rich church. Now, all the churches should be the rich church, right? Every, every church in town ought to be rich. Should be. But, yeah, that's us. But you understand, I've, I've had people tell me this when I was teaching healing. Send letters to you and go, you know, why... 
why do you just keep preaching all that healing stuff all the time? We just preach the gospel. <laughs> I've had people tell me that more than once. Ah, oh, we don't preach all that healing and prosperity stuff and faith stuff. We just preach the gospel. And I tell you what, over the last few weeks and months, the Lord has stirred me up so much on that, that He is unhappy with that statement. There's been many times I thought, well, you know, folk just don't know what they're saying. And I just kind of passed it off, didn't think it was a big deal. But I'm coming to see that the Lord is displeased with this. When people say, you know, they act like healing is a side thing. And not part of the real gospel. And people believe it, that at least that much, maybe more so about prosperity. Well, it's a, you know, it's a side issue. Yeah, I guess God could bless you. But that's not the main message. The main message is the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? I want you to understand. Jesus took our place. And he offered himself up. Not just spirit, but spirit and soul and body. Amen. He paid the price in all three dimensions. And he's risen triumphantly. Spirit and soul and body. And we are redeemed spirit and soul and body. And the good news is you can be free, completely free. Spirit and soul and body. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper. Has he given us a complete prosperity? A complete redemption? So it's, it's not okay. When people say, well, you know, we don't preach all that, that healing stuff and that prosperity stuff. We just preach the gospel. Well, if you preach the same gospel Jesus preached, you'll make the poor folks happy. <laughs> Scripture readers already know what I'm talking about. Huh? If you preach the same gospel Paul preached, people will get faith to be healed from hearing it. Read the book of Acts. Read the gospel accounts. The devil has lied to Christianity, has lied to churchanity, lied to religious folk until he's chipped away. That's not part of the gospel. And that's not part of the gospel. And that's until many, many people believe you can make it to heaven. But that's about it. Down here, we wander like a beggar in the heat and in the cold. And if we can just hold, you know, you can't expect much down here. But if we can just hold out till the end, then it's all going to be worth it over there. And it is going to be wonderful over there. But it's acting like that there is nothing for us here. It's a lie. There's everything for us here. There's total victory for us here. And there's a commitment from God, from God, written in the Word that cannot fail, that if we would give Him a full willingness and a full obedience, He would see to it that we got the best of the best in the earth. It's there. I said it's there. So let's talk about the gospel. Amen. 
Oh, we, ju- we don't preach all that. We just preach the gospel. Do you now? Do you now? Let's examine what is the gospel. I'm excited about the gospel because I already know I've already been tasting what I'm going to feed you. And I like it. Romans 1, are you there? Romans 1 and 1. I just want to read a few scriptures to you. Romans 1, 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. Now, what is the gospel of God? Have you looked up that word ever? What does the word gospel mean? It means good news or good report. Good. Everybody say good report. Good news. Is the gospel good news? Is it good news, some good news, some bad news? Or is it just all good news? The gospel is all good news. All good news. Do you know that Jesus said that this gospel would be preached to all nations before the end comes? And that's one of the things that determines the culmination of everything is that the gospel is preached to every kindred nation and tongue. And sometimes people say, well, that's, a, that's probably about already happened. No. A lot of what has been preached to people has not been the gospel. Men's ideas and men's rules and tradition has been preached. And tons of condemnation. You, you know it's true. A lot of you grew up hearing a bunch of condemnation. That's not good news. You know what a lot of people call the gospel? They'll go out and tell people and tell it with force. You're sorry, rascal. You're a sinner. And you're going to hell if you don't change. Sorry, rascal. Living like you do. You're a sinner. You're a sinner. Sinners are going to hell. You're going to hell if you don't get changed. Is that good news? That's bad news. So is that the gospel? But that's what a lot of folk have preached as the gospel. Oh, y'all are too quiet. Is that good news or bad news? You are a sinner. Going to hell. Maybe a fact if somebody's lost, but is it good news? Well, we are sent to preach what? The good news. The gospel. And that's why people are staying away from churches by the millions. Last time they came to one, they got beat on the head so bad that they thought, man, I ain't never going back there again. Yeah, I feel like a terrible sinner. And I show up and they told me as a sinner, they knew they were a sinner before they came. They knew their life was messed up. But what is the gospel? Gospel is good news. What is good news? Hold your place here. Go to 2 Corinthians 5 real quickly. 2 Corinthians 5. It gives a a real overview of our job in proclaiming the good news to people. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 5, 17. Are you there? He said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That is exceedingly good news. That's good news. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And he tells you what it is. That is, to wit, that God was in Christ... Reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their sins, their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 21 says, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What's the good news to the sinner? The good news is, Jesus has already paid the price for every sin that you ever committed or ever thought about committing or ever would commit. And God has already judged him for your sin. And God is not mad at you about your sin. Jesus has borne it and put it away. And you're accepted in Christ if you believe him. That's good news. You understand, that has not been fully preached around the world. So what do people say? I don't believe it. I don't receive it. Then you say, well, you're going to hell if you don't change. You give them the bad news. But you give them the good news first. And if they receive it, then there's no cause for bad news. There is no bad news. Right? Well, there's good news to the poor. Go back to Romans, please. Go back to Romans. And verse 15. Well, excuse me, I'm going too fast. Skip down to verse uh, 8. He said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in what? In the gospel Of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. Now skip down to verse 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to do what? I'm ready to proclaim the good news to you that are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the good news of Christ. Was Paul willing to receive the good news? I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. For it, the good news, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And when I started thinking about qualifying for God's best, I realized you got to be willing. And the Lord dealt with me, back up. Don't just think about willing to do what I tell you to do, but back up. You got to be willing to receive the message. Willing to believe the good news. What's the good news? If you're a sinner, you don't have to be a sinner anymore. If you're sick, you don't have to be sick anymore. If you're depressed, you don't have to be depressed anymore. Jesus took the chastisement of your peace. He bore your sin. He bore your sicknesses. He carried your pains. Did he do anything about your finances? Huh? Or did he leave that one area out and just left you to fend for yourself? And should he have said, it's almost finished? 
I'll take care of that area. No, no, it is finished. The whole thing is bought and paid for. There's provision. So what's the good news to the poor man? Ain't got to be poor no more. But do you believe that? Do you believe the gospel? Do you believe the gospel? Go with me to uh, Luke, the fourth chapter. Do you mind me taking just a few minutes and turning to scriptures? Let's build a foundation. Luke, chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, this is something that we, we have reason to believe Jesus read and took as his text on many occasions. It, apparently, it may have been his golden text that he used on numerous occasions in teaching and preaching. In Luke 4.18, he, he took the book of Isaiah and he turned to the place, it was in Isaiah 61, and he read from it. And he told them, he said, Luke 4.18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. To do what? What's the first thing he mentioned? Not the second, not the third thing. He said, I'm anointed here today. How many could preach Jesus in the service here tonight? And he got up because it was just like that. There were people. It was a meeting, not necessarily in a building, but people in a meeting. He was the speaker and he stood up and he read this and he said, I'm anointed. I'm anointed tonight to proclaim what? The good news. Did it say something about the poor? In connection with the good news? That Jesus said, I'm anointed to give good news to the poor folks. To the poor. First thing he said. Did he care about the poor? Now, now let's just stop here. We, we've read over this. We've run over this. People have ignored this. Traditional folk didn't want to see it. Wild charismatics were afraid to see it. The gospel to the lost. The gospel to the sinner. What would be different about part of the gospel to the poor than to the rich? Why use the qualifier poor? Hey, you got your thinking cap on tonight now. Are you here? Are you listening? He didn't say to the lost. He said, and see, if a lot of mainline uh, denominational and traditional folk and theologians have been writing this, they'd have said, he sent me to preach the gospel to the lost. Well, if Jesus had wanted to say that, I reckon he'd have said that. But he didn't say that. What did he say? What is significant about good news to the poor? It has to be something specific to them not having money. Elsewise, why use the word poor? What is the gospel to the poor? What is the good news to the poor? Somebody said, well, that you can be saved from your sins. Well, why say poor then? Why didn't he just say, here's good news to the sinner? Here's good news to the lost man. He didn't say that. And this is not the only time. Let's look at some more. You want to look at some more? Turn right on over. You're there in Luke. Go to the seventh chapter. I just want to take my time. And I mean 
put several bolts and nails into this thing and pour some extra concrete under it. Amen. And some reinforced steel. Is that right? And then double some things. So that it's a foundation and an anchor in your soul. And you don't doubt it again as long as you live. That it is God's will for me to be poor no more. God's will for me is rich. Even when you say that, some people have a problem with that. It sounds strange to hear it in church. God wants you rich. God wants everybody rich. Folk go. Everybody. God wants everybody rich. R-I-C-H. Rich. Rich. I had a guy meet me one time out in the parking lot. I thought he was going to hit me. No joke. He was so mad. And it was because I kept using that word. Made him mad. You know what made him mad? Makes the devil mad. And he was motivated by the enemy. Why? Because the devil hates you. And he hates the church. He don't want to see a big church, uh, you know, in a fine facility like this and going on TV and buying time. Are you kidding? He wants us so broke, we have to, we can't even get together. Right? He wants you so broke, you can't put gas in your car to get to church. It can cripple you. Financial lack can cripple a ministry, cripple a church, prevent it from outreach. He wants all the money. Because in this world, friend, money talks. Money is control. Money is influence. And he wants to control everything. So he wants all the money into the hands of the most ungodly. So he can control it. Don't you think God desires for us to have the control? For the voice of the gospel to be heard? Don't you think it would please God if we started buying time on TV at Faith Life Church and then bought, and finally bought time away from the pornographers? A lot of folk don't care if you got the money and if you'll pay more money than them, they'll kick them off. We'll say, hey, you know that pornography you're running all, all 24 hours. What if we pay you twice what they're paying you? Will you air airs? They'll go, where's the check? Where's the check? You know, Brother Kenneth, uh, uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland and Brother Jesse DePlanis both and others are airing their broadcast in, uh, in Middle Eastern countries that do not allow the preaching of the gospel. It's against the law. But they're airing their shows. It's against the law for women to even be seen in public without a veil. And Miss Gloria is preaching on the TV. Short blonde hair and no veil. Why? That's the only reason. Of course, God making it happen. But in the natural, the people putting it on because they're hurting and they're strapped. And somebody steps up and goes, hey, we'll buy some time. They'll go, okay. Where's the money? That's why the devil has fought so hard to lie to the church and cause us to believe, oh, we don't want any of this old world's goods. And, and no, you know, I just want to, if I just got enough for me and my family to make it by own, that's all I care. Well, then you are selfish and you have no vision beyond your four walls. We've got to have more than enough 
to sustain our little family. We got to have enough to reach out and touch the whole world. And when you think about how little it costs, when you think about per person how small the cost really is, and touching a soul, it's nothing. Now, it adds up over a period of time, but, I mean, what's precious in this earth? There's going to come a time soon and very soon until all the gold and all the money is going to mean nothing. I had the Lord tell me sometime years ago, He said, Son, I don't care how much it costs. He said, that means nothing to me. He said, you've got to think like me. <laughs> because I keep thinking, yeah, but how much does it cost? You know? He said, son, he told me that one time in the time of prayer. Because I kept thinking, well, how much does it cost? How much does it cost? He said, son, I don't care how much it costs. I can't afford it. He said, it doesn't make any difference to me. He said, even if you paid too much for something. He said, I don't care as long as you get the job done. He said, I don't care how much it costs. Now, that takes some mind renewal for us. But if we can get straight on that, he, he can do it. He can bring the money in. Dear me, are you kidding? He's got ways that never crossed our mind. If we just believe him. Luke 7, are you there? 7 and 21. 7, actually let's read 20. 7 and 20. Men came and they said to John the Baptist, they said, are you he that should come or look we for another? He didn't answer them right away. In that same hour, he cured. Everybody say healing. What's a sign that it's really the Lord's work? What's a sign that it's really the gospel? First thing they saw, healing, healing, healed of infirmities, plagues, evil spirits. They were delivered. Many that were blind, he gave sight. And Jesus looked at them and he said, go your way. Tell John what you saw and heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and, and, and to the sinners, to the lost people. Now see, people have tried to make that say that for years, but Jesus is very specific. He's, he's, he's talking on one hand, ministering to the sick, to the oppressed, and to the broke. Did you get that? Is this gospel? Did Jesus know what the real gospel is? Then when he explains it and tells you what's the real signs of the full gospel, you best accept that and not make fun of preaching deliverance to the sick and not make fun of healing and not make fun of poor people coming up because that is the gospel Jesus talked about. Do you see this? I'm telling you, friend, i got something in my spirit stirring so big. The Lord's dealt with me. He said, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for your whole church and ministry to stand up and say, no, we are not a side issue. This is not a side thing. This is the gospel. Healing is good news. Prosperity is good news. Amen. No, it's not relegated to some side thing. Well, I guess God could do it sometime. But y'all don't talk so much about that because that's not the main message. The most important message of all is that Jesus came to save the lost. I had somebody really get on to me about that one time. No, no. The, the most important thing is that Jesus came and, and paid the price for your sins. That's the most important message of all worldwide. I said, I disagree.
He looked at me like, I knew it. <laughs> Heretic. I knew it. I said, I disagree. He said, you disagree? I said, I disagree. You said it is without a question in every situation and everybody worldwide, the most important message, Jesus came and paid the price for your sins. I said, I disagree. He said, how in the world can you as a Christian disagree? I said, it depends on who you're talking to. If you got a man or a woman who's thoroughly saved, they are born again. Their name's in the Lamb's book of life. They know the Lord Jesus. But they're so sick they can't get out of bed. Is the most important message to them, Jesus saves you from your sin? They know that message. They believe that. They've received that. What do they need to hear? Jesus will heal you. Healing is still for today. He will heal you. That's good news to a man dying from a terminal disease. Well, what if you're saved and you're doing pretty good health-wise, but you got no power in your life? What's, what's the message for you? Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. He'll fill you up to overflowing, fill you full of power, and you can talk in tongues and walk the walk. That's the most important message. Well, what if you're filled with the Holy Ghost? You got power. You're healed. You know you're saved. But you ain't got enough money to get out of town. What's the most important message for you right then? Prosperity is the will of God. He can raise you up and cause you to eat and enjoy the best of the best. Depends on who you're talking to. Amen. But people haven't wanted to acknowledge that. They're just on one little rabbit trail and want to find fault with everything else. No, friend, this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. This is the gospel. Uh, go to Matthew 26. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 26. Talking about the gospel. Have you ever heard anything like that? People say, well, we don't get into all that healing stuff and all that money stuff. We just preach the gospel. Well, back up. What did Jesus preach? He stood up. His favorite text, it seems like, to preach from and says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me today. Number one, to proclaim the good news to every poor man out there. And, and broke folk could go, Wow, he's going to tell us some good news. Well, what would be good news that was especially pertinent to poor people? I know I sound redundant, but but get it in your spirit now. Well, he saved us from our sins. Well, why didn't he say good news to the lost? Why didn't he say good news to sinners? No, he said good news to the poor. What is good news to a sick man? You can be healed. What's good news to a broke man? Oh, friend, I remember. I remember in that bedroom I was talking to you about crying before God. And before I got through, I realized in my spirit he had heard my prayer and he was bringing this broke country boy up. I knew it as good as I knew what my name. I didn't see it. It wasn't in my hand. But I knew it's just a matter of time until O'Keefe boy is coming up. (laughs) <laughs> we're going to pay stuff off. We're going to get ahead. And we're going to give like we never dreamed we could give. We're going to write big checks and support the gospel. We're going to underwrite things. We're going to buy equipment. 
Amen. Amen. Just the other day, I mean, uh, uh, there's been about three weeks, and, and this certain fella that I hadn't seen in 18 years, but I knew he was in the ministry. He was one of my students at, at the Bible school. I hadn't seen him. He hadn't called me, and he just his name kept coming up in my spirit, kept coming up in my spirit. And finally, I've, I called him. I found out where I got on the Internet, <laughs> typed in his name, and found out he's got a ministry. And called him. And uh, he called me back. Oh, hi, Brother Keith. Why are you calling me? I said, I don't know. I said, what are you doing? He began to tell me. And man, they're in the thick of some good ministry. I said, are you believing for something right now? And he said, yeah, big item. He told me. He didn't ask me. I called him by the Spirit. I said, well, I'm setting myself in agreement with you on it. We're believing this thing in. And I didn't tell him, but I'm telling you, we're going to do something about it. And I'm excited because it's a pretty big thing. I'm excited we have the ability to do this thing. I didn't have the ability when when I was, uh, you know, broke years ago. And if I'd have just said, well, I guess this is just my lot in life, you know, I just, we don't have much, but we love the Lord. That is unwilling. To receive the good news. And do you understand why we're talking about this? Millions have rejected this message. Haven't they? They've heard different parts of it. Flipping through the channels. And see Brother Copeland for a few minutes. And go, I don't believe all that financial stuff. And just keep flipping. Uh oh. They don't realize what they just did. Drive by and see our shiny gold letters on the front. (laughs) And go, that's just gaudy. That's just... Gaudy. <laughs> it's just pretty. <laughs> and, uh, well, I don't believe in all that. Well, you just, you just, let me show you exactly what they just did. Turn to the book of Acts. You're, you're in Matthew, right? Hold a finger there. Go to the book of Acts. You're going to be back tomorrow night, aren't you? Because I, I can't do all this tonight and I shouldn't try. I'm tempted though. <laughs> Acts, the 13th chapter. Oh, this is good. Thank you, Lord. The scripture and the word is so good. Acts chapter 13. Notice what happened. In Acts 13, see, th- this happens to this day on every area of the gospel. Acts 13. Paul and his company are in what is to them a foreign country, and they're preaching the gospel where it has not been heard. And they preached it, and people listened to it the first Sabbath they were there, and they had a good response. And the Bible said the uh, the following Sabbath, this is Acts thirteen forty four. the following Sabbath uh, day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. You talk about a turnout. Why? Because it got around. What got around? What are they preaching? Huh? What did Paul preach? Skip over to the 14th chapter and the 7th verse. It talks about the next place they went to. It said they, uh, they came to the next place. And verse 7 says, and there they did what? They preached the what? Not tradition. Not condemnation. 
Not theories, not rules. They preached good news. And friend, people are hungry to hear good news. They've heard all this other stuff they want to hear and then some. They've heard about how bad they are and and what they can't do and God's mad at them and all other kind of stuff. And, and, and that didn't bless them. They don't know what to do with that. But friend, when people hear good news, that's why the whole city turned out the next time. They thought, man, I got to hear some of that myself. He's saying something good. Right? That's why you keep showing up. I know it is. That's why I keep showing up too. <laughs> hmm? It's good news. It's all good news. Even the corrections that you have to make. It's good news because when you do it, you get more blessed. There they preached the gospel. Well, that's what they were doing at this first place back in the 13th chapter. And it says almost the whole city came out to hear the word of God. But when the Jews, now this was the religious leaders. When they saw the crowds, traditional religious folk don't like to see crowds at other people's meetings. Did you hear that? I tell you what, there's some ungodly stuff. And it's summed up in the word competition. That is an ungodly word. Did you hear me? Competition. Brother Kenneth Copeland said a fellow told him one time, an internationally known man that should have known better, told him one time, he said, well, you know, we're all vying for that same Christian dollar. Made Brother Kenneth aggravated, as you might imagine. And it is aggravating. I'll just say it. It's Well, I won't say it. It's bad. I mean, let me say it like that. It's bad. We're not... In competition. We're all on the same team. We don't have to be in competition for the same Christian dollar. There's more than enough for every one of us to have surplus. More than enough. Well, you know, we're all competing for the same Christian. No, there are millions that are going to church nowhere. That, that's foolishness. That's deception. That's confusion. But man, when this whole, when almost the whole city came to hear Paul speak and the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Oh, that's devilish stuff. And they spoke against the things that were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. Now, why were they doing this? Because they genuinely disagreed with him doctrinally? No, no, no. It's because he had a bigger crowd than they did. Now, that's ungodly, isn't it? It's not because they thought, oh, he's, he's in error. No. That wasn't the main thing driving him. Oh, he's missing it. He's wrong on the scripture. No, it was envy. So because of that, if he said it was white, they said it's black. If he, he said it's good, they said, no, that's bad. Just to contradict him. Are there still people like that around? Yes. Yeah, that's sad. Not motivated by true things. And uh, then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold. <laughs> they heard all that junk. 
till they got tired of hearing it. And they waxed bold and they said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. See, it was their heritage to receive these things. They had a right to this. He said, but get it, but get it, listen. But seeing you have put it from you and you judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we'll turn to the Gentiles. They'll receive it. I tell you what, friends. This is applicable in the area of the gospel of healing. The good news about healing and redemption. Their untold folk have rejected that message. And judged their self. Somebody said, why won't God heal me? They, it wasn't God. They judged their self. Unworthy of enjoying that. By being unwilling to believe that truth. And unwilling to receive it. Unwilling to preach it in their churches. Why? Because you'll get persecuted for it. Oh, we've been persecuted. As you might imagine. For pre- especially preaching some things about prosperity. I've had people that, that I thought was my friend. Just get so mad at me. Didn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. You'll get persecuted. The Bible said. Didn't it? That you'd receive now in this time. A hundredfold with persecutions. But you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to see your smiling face. Because if I didn't believe in prosperity, would we have stepped up and bought a facility with no congregation? Would we have stepped up and done thing after thing if we didn't believe that God wanted us to have anything? Couldn't, would you? I believe God wants good stuff. Big stuff. Shiny gold stuff. Brand new digital cameras. Great big bright screens. And much, much, much more and use it to reach into every corner and every crevice and tell people about the good, good news. Good Jesus loves you. He's already paid for your sins. He already took your sickness. He already took your poverty. It is written. It's gospel. It's good news. <laughs> Now, you don't get cocky and say, well, we're full gospel. And y'all are only third gospel. Y'all are only half gospel. While we, however, are full. We preach the whole truth. Well, you wish. We're preaching all we know. Did you get that? We're preaching all we know. How many understand there's probably, not probably, there's a lot more of the gospel and to the good news we don't see yet. But you ought to walk in all you know. And you ought to preach all you know. And I found this out. He wants me healed. I found this out. He wants me rich. And I'm going to preach it. I don't care who don't like it. I'm going to preach it. And if some folk get huffy, like they did with Paul, and if they don't like it, I'll say, well, 
You have judged yourself unworthy of being healed. And you've judged yourself unworthy of being rich. Because you could have had it. And it came to you. But you were unwilling to receive it. But we'll turn to whoever will hear it. We'll broadcast it to the ends of the earth. And I assure you, there are people who will hear it. And who will believe it. And who will receive it. And grab a hold of it with both hands. And think, man, that's the best thing I've heard in my life. I believe that. Next thing you know, they'll be healed. And they'll start coming up. People say, well, you ought not preach that. That, you know, get rich stuff to third world countries. That's just not right, you know. Because they just don't have anything. If it's the gospel, it's for everybody. Everywhere. And if it won't work in third world countries, then it ain't the gospel. It is the word. It does work everywhere. I read about a man some years ago. He was actually in India. As, as you know, a lot of poverty. And just as broke as you could be, he made his living by going out and getting grass and cutting it and drying it and selling it door to door because people used it to weave mats out of. That's what they slept on instead of a bed. And it'd wear out. Grass salesman. Door to door. <laughs> That's where he was at. And somebody preached to him that Jesus would bless you financially. And he wanted you to have something. And he didn't read anybody's theological uh, argument against it. He just believed it in simplicity. And said, Jesus not only saves me, he'll make me rich. <laughs> they said, that's right. Thank God somebody told him that. Yeah. He believed it. Next thing you know, he's got a bicycle with a basket. Door to door. He's selling premium uh, grass to make uh, mats. Not, not the, the substandard stuff, the good stuff. Next thing you know, he's got a cart and a motorcycle. Which is prosperity in that village, buddy. I mean, and he's going, in a few years, he has become a multi-millionaire with an import-export rug business in India. I ought not preach it over there. I'd, he would disagree. <laughs> I don't care where you are. I don't care what part of the ghetto you grew up in. The Bible said he takes people from the dung heap and sets them with princes. Can he do it? Is there a good word for the poor? Is there good news? Is there a gospel to the broke? Yes. Amen. I said yes. Yes, yes. Yes, thank God. Yes. Amen. Go back to Matthew. I'm thinking about starting to close. Matthew 26. Yeah, I've gone far enough tonight, I think. Brother Hagen said, uh, as a young man, a fellow told him uh, that this fellow was having open air meeting and said, man, the crowds were huge first night or two. And then by the end of the week, there was, wasn't hardly anybody there. And he said, he asked this other fellow, older minister, he said, uh, what happened with the crowds over there? He said, the fellow threw all his marbles out the first night. 
He threw all his marbles out. The first, well, I don't want to throw all my marbles out the first night. So we're going to wind this thing up. Amen. Though it seems like we have many, many marbles here. <laughs> Matthew 26. And uh, you know the story in verse 6. Let's just read it. I'll read it to you. Matthew 26, 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, there came to him a woman having an alabaster box of very precious ointment and poured it on his head as he sat at meat. But when his disciples saw it, they had indignation, saying, To what purpose is this waste? Let's just stop right there. Was that a waste? But they sure thought it was. Didn't they? Now, let's just stop right there. People say, yeah, but now, brother, that was Jesus. I know it, and they still said it to him. Right? Yeah, but now, brother, that was Jesus. Did not Jesus say, inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to me. That he takes it personally, what we do for each other. And what we do for fellow churches and fellow ministries. I must say, well, you could have, they could have got by with cheaper perfume than that. Why would you want to? Brother Kenneth said one time, time of prayer, the Lord told him, because people are always talk about, you know, saving money, saving money. Well, we don't have to get that, get that nicest carpet for the church. We could save $20,000. Well, we don't have to put the gold letters up there. We could just get kind of a matte black, you know, and, and we might even save thousands of dollars. Is that our biggest objective? To save money? And the Lord say, go into all the world and save money. <laughs> Is that our principal objective? Did he say to it, above all, see to it that you save money. <laughs> Is that anywhere in there? Did you see? He told me he didn't care how much it cost. Amen. That's what he told me. You judge that for yourself. But uh, Brother Kenneth said, the Lord said to him in a time of prayer, he said, the Lord said, what are these people going to do with all this money they're saving for me? Where is it at? Where is all this money that they're saving from now? Why did they tell him this? Oh, they should have done that. Said so Judas said that. You know, if you read over in John, did not because he cared for the poor, he was being a hypocrite. Oh, this could have been saved and, and, and sent to the mission field. This could have been sent to the poor. He was a hypocrite and a liar and a thief. Bible said he was helping himself to what was in the bag. And you watch these same folks that's always harping, oh, that's too much, that's too much, that's too much to spend on that. If it's the Lord's stuff, it can't get too much. If it affects human souls, you can't spend too much. Can you? That's the one thing you can't spend too much on, is the gospel. Getting the good news out. 
But man, she took that and she gave that big gift and they fussed about it. They said this, verse 9, it could, it was a waste. It could have been given to the poor. And verse 10, when Jesus understood it, he said to them, why are you troubling this woman? She's wrought a good work on me. For the poor you always are with you, but me you have not always. For in that she has poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. And verily, now how many when Jesus backs up and says, verily, you ought to be very quiet and pay attention. Is that right? Verily, I'm saying to you. How many understand? He is reproving them. They opened up their mouth and popped off when they should have been quiet. Right? They did. Ah, oh, this is a waste. This is a waste. This woman has blown all this money. Just dumping this on you. We could have given. He said, why are you bothering her? You leave her alone. She's done a good thing. For verily, I say to you, what? What's the next phrase? Huh? What? What? Wheresoever this... What gospel? What gospel? He, he's not preaching. They're eating. What, what gospel? What are we talking about? What makes you say gospel? The only thing that's happening is somebody's giving profusely. What's that got to do with the gospel? Apparently a lot more than some unbelieving theologians think. Because Jesus said, I want you to understand. This is so significant. This pleases me so much. This, this woman selflessly and completely willingly. So you thought we got away from our text, didn't you? willingly willingly gives the biggest thing and the best thing she's got to honor the man of God he said this is going to be told wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world also this this woman has done is going to be told for a memorial of her why bring up the gospel why associate the gospel with this because part of the gospel is good news to the poor one last verse please second corinthians now this scripture right here is to me the the summation of the gospel to the poor. To me the best, most complete reference that just puts it all together in the New Testament. How many know this is New Testament? I'm looking at 2 Corinthians. New Testament. Chapter 8. Are you there? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 8, 2 Corinthians. He said in verse 9. Well, let me, let me back up. I want you to see all the context here. In verse 3, he said, I want you to know. He's talking about how the people gave liberally. I want you to know that a bare record and beyond their power, they were what? Willingly. They were what? They were willing. Willing. Skip down past these verses I'm talking about and look at verse 11. He said, now therefore perform the doing of it. And, and you know if you read this scripture, he's talking about giving. He's talking about an offering. Talking about money, finances. He said, 
Perform the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to what? To will so there may be performance out of what you have. For if there be first what? A willing, willing mind. Is it important to be willing? It's accepted according to what a man has and not according to what he has not. What's all that? I read you scripture before it. I read you scripture after it. It's willing, willing, willing. And what does verse 9 say? Oh, if you don't know it, if you don't have this one marked, you ought to put stars by it. You ought to underline it. You ought to circle it. Because this is the gospel to the poor. I mean, this is the summary statement. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became Poor that you through his poverty might be rich. That's not Brother Keith talking. That's it is written. That's New Testament. Does this sound like redemptive language? Doesn't it sound like he was made sin with our sin? Doesn't it sound like that? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. By his stripes you were healed. Sounds like that, doesn't it? He took, he bore the chastisement of our peace upon him. Right? Sounds just like that. And here, what does it say? He, though he was so rich, for our sakes, didn't do it for yourself, for our sakes, he became poor. Did he take our place? Not just with sin, not just with sickness. Did he take our place with poverty? Did he take our poorness upon him? Did he bear it just like he bore our transgressions? Just like he bore our sins, did he bear poverty? Oh, come on, are you getting this? Did, did he take it on him? Is this part and parcel of the gospel? It is, is it an integral part of redemption? No side issue. No side thing. When he offered himself up spirit, soul, and body, he became sin with our sin. He became sickness with our sickness. He took our oppression upon him and he became poor. It's right there. He became poor with our, not for himself, for our sake, with our poverty. Why? What's the result? Read it to me. Tell me you believe it. Tell me like you believe it now. So that... So that we could live on welfare. Huh? So that we could live off mom and daddy all our life. Huh? So that we could wear wore out junk and drive wore out junk and subsist. But we love the Lord. Well, thank God you do. And if you're saved, that is the premium thing. But if he bore my poverty then I don't want him bearing that for me in vain. If he bought and paid for my prosperity, then bless God, if it hair lips the devil, if it takes decades to do it, I am setting my faith for it. I'm setting my heart in agreement with him, and I am willing to receive this good news. I'm willing to receive the fact that he bore my poverty. He became poor with my poorness. And there is a good news to the poor man. Oh, stand up and shout. Stand up and praise God. 
Tell him out loud, I believe it. I believe it. I receive it. Oh, glory to God. I believe it. 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 I receive it. I'm willing. I'm willing to receive this message. <laughs> Let people laugh. Let them make fun. And they call you a cult. They call you off. They call you in error. But they should beware that they're not making fun of what Jesus preached. They're not making fun of the gospel. Good news. Good news. Good news. What's good news to the poor man? Ain't got to be poor. No more. No more. I made up my mind. When I went in that bedroom and I fell across the bed and I wept, I said, I am fed up with being broke. I'm tired of being poor. I don't want to be poor. No more. Fed up with it. And I don't have to be. Lord, show me how. Lead me out of this. Get me out of this. I'm saying I believe it's your will for me to come up from here. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.